Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. tell you craigslist is the gift that keeps on giving (laughs) is it is that what they say about it yeah you know because i i'm genuinely enjoying being sort of like these survivors these remnant populations of people that use websites that everyone else has moved on from like you know me i'm still on tumblr sure sure uh my uh my my master post about my favorite porn bot comments on my artwork is now at like over i think thirty five thousand notes oh dang man yeah yeah this is the most reach i've ever had on anything kind of incredible wow yeah and then there's craigslist you know because every sane person is on Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) Right. But really, the thing is, when you're on Craigslist, you realize it's people that don't want to be on Facebook, which, you know, granted, there's lots of good reasons to not be on Facebook. That's true, Um, yeah. But, you know, if you're like me, and you have a Facebook that you haven't posted on literally in years, um... I think my Facebook still says I live in Florence. Okay, I think mine does too, actually. <laughs> yeah, but but I just kind of keep it just so I can, you know, buy cheap furniture on Facebook Marketplace and honestly look up when people's birthdays are. Honestly, yeah, valid. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and I also just had my birthday recently and I apologize to everyone that I did not respond to because, again, I'm not on there. Um, so, uh, being on Craigslist, you've got this self-selected audience of, like, it's, it's sort of like the, it's like being at a dive bar. It's like, Mm. are you cool, or did you just get kicked out of everywhere else? Right, right. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a self-selecting, uh, thing, you know, Mm -hmm. what are you in for? (laughs) And I've, I had been having trouble selling some music gear. I feel like I've graduated uh, a little bit from my uh, a couple of uh, small music devices. I had a little drum machine mm-hmm. and a little uh, synthesizer that I feel like I can move on to other things. Yeah, sure. You know, and mainly I just want to buy more music crap. So of I course. put those up for sale. Um, and actually a guy reaches out to me like in the first night of it being up and he's like i will take them both and i'm like okay okay fair enough yeah um and immediately he offers to pay in cryptocurrency oh Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. yeah uh and i'm like trying to think because i'm like is this my chance to low risk get two hundred dollars of crypto and this guy legitimately just uses that in his life 
or is he uh, a red pill dude? Or uh, did he just get duped into like buying some Dogecoin by Elon Musk and right. he's trying to unload it on Craigslist people? Mm, right. These are the red flags. That's yeah. Okay. Like, here's the other thing. It's like, I don't want to seem like an idiot that doesn't know about crypto. <laughs> so I didn't ask him <laughs> what crypto it was uh, okay and i was like should i ask or is that one of those things just like <laughs> you don't know which crypto i'd be using for this right right you have to, yeah. you have to try to blend into the crypto culture yeah so i just told him paypal is fine mm -hmm. good so good. uh i you know obviously sent my first rodeo i tell him you know meet me in a public place we meet in a busy parking lot um I'm looking around for him and he's describing himself to me. He's, you know, he's like, I'm wearing flannel. Uh, and I got dreadlocks. Um, and then just to, I, I was like, okay, gotcha. He's like, and then he just throws in at the bottom. He's like, I'm white. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking around for this guy and then I see him and there he is. Uh, just... <laughs> Yes, he's wearing the flannel and dreadlocks, but also pajama pants and slippers. Uh, and okay. we're, you know, hanging, we're, we're standing on the side of this, uh, the, the grocery store, and he's trying on his phone to convert his crypto into cash in front of me to pay me through PayPal. Um, okay. And I'm like, I, do that. I would like to go as I would like, <laughs> yeah. I would like this interaction to be as, as minimal as possible, right? As, like... Yes, as, as quick as possible and to not have to deal with <laughs> just, just people from Craigslist for, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just there to, to get a little bit of extra spending money. Right, right. And so he's having trouble doing this. And he's like, oh, it's like, it's, it's just not working. I'm like, all right, just take your time, you know? Yeah. And then the thing that, cause th this is all mostly, this would all blend together with every other interaction I've had selling and buying random music gear on Craigslist, except he's like, would you be cool if my girlfriend just Venmoed you? I'm like, yeah, that that works. You know, it's money is money, right? So he take he takes out his phone and it starts ringing, and for some reason it's on speakerphone. And all I hear is a woman's voice, and she is screaming at him. Oh no! Over the phone, she's like, "How could you do that? That was food in the refrigerator." Oh no! And he's like, he's like, "Babe, babe." Like, can you can we talk about this later? I, I can you can you Venmo this guy two hundred dollars for the synths, please? Oh no! Oh, you know? Oh no! And, <laughs> That's not gonna end well. And now I'm like, I don't involve. And I'm listening to this guy like have the, and I have no idea what it's about. I'm like, oh. what could you have done to the refrigerator, <laughs> dude? Yeah, for real. Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. My God. He turns it into a Bitcoin machine. Mm. oh yeah no the, the refrigerator <laughs> you open the refrigerator it's Bitcoin and it's mining. now one of the yeah it's 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 a server yeah <laughs> um 
Yeah, so she Venmo's me and I leave. Yeah. But, oh man, I will. That is. I will remember that for a while. Wow. Just like oh watching someone, watching someone have uh, a dispute with their girlfriend like that, where <laughs> you just pick up, you pick up the phone to ask them for money, and they're, <laughs> they're just, just like, like I mean, screaming. Oh, that is like yelling terrifying. angrily at. Oh him. no! Yeah. Oh my god! Um, maybe it's time to mm-hmm. stop using Craigslist. <laughs> What? <laughs> How could you even say that to me? I said your Craigslist stories are always my favorite segments on our tours because they somehow get worse every time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, I'm not going to ever forget the story you told, uh, at least me, of when you followed a random person you met on Craigslist down into their basement alone without your phone, or if it was on silent, I don't remember. Uh, to look at gear mm. and it was like one of those like red flag moments where you're like i should probably be aware of this but it's fine uh yeah but you know i've just i've gotten so many jobs through craigslist i've never dated anyone through craigslist okay i've gotten band members through craigslist which does kind of feel like it's kind of like dating <laughs> i guess i had a co-worker that her and her longtime boyfriend met on craigslist but that's when they used to do personal ads okay I mean, I think if Craigslist yeah. ever makes a resurgence and they need like an ad, you should be one of those people that's like on that the commercial that can speak to their experiences yeah. being so positive. I mean, the the charm of Craigslist is that it if you go to it, it looks exactly the same as it did, you know, <laughs> true, pretty yeah. much 20 years ago. It yeah. is it is a white background with blue text. Amazing. Nothing has changed. We need to preserve uh, our websites we are killing the planet we- <laughs> like yeah it's a- nasa t- nasa took this photo of instagram you know in mm. 1969 and then they took this other photo more recently you can see the damage yeah that's true yeah. you can see it oh man mm-hmm. well it's definitely always a fun conversation to talk about selling random music gear to people on craigslist while in the cabin of curiosities yet again look at yes, some very curious yes. objects here well yeah you know we 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 mostly stock not a lot of people know this we do stock <laughs> uh some parts of our exhibit with things we found on craigslist you would not believe the stuff true in a way on there yeah it's yeah. true yeah i i, I believe yeah it. absolutely yeah but uh yes uh tangent aside we would like to welcome everyone back to the uh, cabin of curiosities because uh here we are a little further into october a little closer to halloween mm, yes uh and we're just gonna keep getting progressively more spooky absolutely absolutely i hope everybody's enjoying their cider donuts that i made i've been getting into that recently mm. uh always a fun time um so, no. but yeah zam what do we got going on here today well this uh this week we were hoping to take more of a uh, uh an introspective spookiness mm. um we wanted to talk about kind of look into our cultural backgrounds and yes. find some uh folklore or some horror that uh perhaps uh maybe some of our ancestors uh believed in or had uh some affiliation with like mm. what are and how do those sort of speak to their uh right. cultural paranoias and everything you know even as we were talking about last time vampires and werewolves and all of this you know it has roots in in, in things that did exist to be afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's an interesting 
you know, it's definitely mm-hmm. a very interesting way of looking into where these, like, not only where the myths come from, but also how, mm-hmm. yeah, how our ancestors would have looked at these things too, where these yeah. folk tales and lore come from and how they are different and, mm-hmm. or how they differ region to region depending on where they're coming from. Right, right. Yeah. I see you have some masks. I do, yeah. Just to kick us off and starting right away, uh, what we're looking at here is a mask of the Mamatonis, which is mm. a, as we see, it's a pear, ma- it's a pear wood mask painted black, and it's frowning, and it almost looks as, as if it's from a... Um, African mask tradition that you would have seen more used in like the modernist sense of what those artists were being Mm -hmm. influenced from. Although this is actually from the island of Sardinia, where my family is from, or Mm -hmm. my mom's side, and specifically from the region of Barbagia. Now, before I get into Mm. the folk tale, I kind of want to. I think this is also one of these moments where I researched the you know history of the island mm-hmm. that I'm from and like always find something new that surpasses my own family's knowledge of it. So mm-hmm. I tried to talk about it as much as I can. So with Barbaja, one of the most interesting things about it, because Sardinia is, or I guess I should clarify. So Sardinia is, you know, an island to the West of Italy, if you don't know, and mm-hmm. is, di- it has different regions and dialects attached to it that are not Italian mm-hmm. at all in terms Mm -hmm. of similarities. Now, the dialects have been influenced by Latin because, as I'm going to lead into, the Romans, you know, conquered it at some point and basically spread their language throughout and it influenced certain parts of the islands. So did the Carthaginians at one point before them and other cultures and so on. Mm -hmm. So Barbagia is named that because it was actually named uh, from the Roman side who were, they actually named it after the barbarians that lived in the mountains there because Sardinia is a very mountainous ah, island. Okay. It's very fitting. I was, going, I was going to actually ask like if there was any connection yeah. there. I was going to, I was going to ask it as a stupid joke. <laughs> I, I mean, from, from like a, an ethnic standpoint, like yes. I know like a lot of modern Italians are more of like, descended or have have some genetic component uh-huh. component of like the lombards coming in uh yeah from the north uh rather than being the same ethnicity that the that uh the romans were or the latin people were uh or even the etruscans like was sardinia somewhat more preserved from that era or like is there also the the lombard uh right where there also a bunch of uh vince lombardis uh you know marching in so with their with their with their football trophies not the lombards didn't make it there they were more Mm -hmm. in the north conquering downward and affected the the um gene pool so to speak up north and into like the tuscan region i'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it's kind of falls into Mm -hmm. the category of southern italy where it's got a lot of different influences from all over it's relatively i don't even i mean honestly it had a lot of intermingling pre-roman like for instance the carthaginians showed up in the south and had a lot of trading ports yeah the greeks were trading there as well as the etruscans actually were showing up there Mm -hmm. pretty early on um and its history. So it's its people are influenced and made up of a lot of different ethnic groups, including Spanish, uh, which is mm. fascinating because that happens later in the 1500s. And there's like a Pisan influence from Italy. So there's this right. 
it's a cultural playground of lots of different places. And, and a lot of its influences come from North Africa because I think it's some of the more earlier influences. But what's fascinating right. about the regions is every single place is different. So like where right. my mom's family is from, where I visit usually is in the South, which is in the um, um, Calgary area. That's the main, that's like right. the capital city of the, of the islands. And that is heavily Spanish and Latin influence. It's in the dialect. It's in the architecture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you go north, like to the tip, it's more than that, like Corsican and almost like kind of North African architecture. Um, that's okay. you know kind of in this way. It's it's more influenced from the north of the island than that Corsican type style. Even the language and dialect has okay, yeah. got more of an Arabic influence. Let's say. Uh, Interesting. But yeah. in Barbaja, which I was talking about, where this mask is from, they kept their cultural roots, and it's the closest you're going to get to old Nuragic civilization era Sardinia, Whoa. which is like the okay. pre that that the Nuragic peoples, which we don't have too much time today to talk about it, but we will eventually. They are the earliest inhabitants of the island. It's if you ever look up Sardinia, mm. you're going to see these like buildings and I've, and I've seen them in person they're incredible of like stacked stone that almost turn into like cylinders that uh, almost become cones hmm. those are naragis and they're these old oh. old ancient buildings that were created by the peoples there and yeah so wow. they actually in the barbaja region kept most of that culture dialect and ethnicity kind of alive because they the romans tried to, when they were taking over the island they were going into you know the mountains and they conquer villages whatever and claim it mm -hmm. and they just didn't let them up like at all because it's <laughs> it's pretty much on a plateau like the region is all mountains and it's really hard to navigate mm -hmm. and it would just be annoying to conquer and they kind of just left them there so that region mm -hmm. of the island is relatively the same in terms of that in the language so like you're actually going to get a lot of language come from there but also in traditions so mm -hmm. this tradition specifically comes out of this region and it's like one of the more famous ones. And what happens is they wear these masks. They have, um, well, I guess I should start in terms of explaining what it is. And essentially it happens on January um, 16th or 17th. And it's, the, it's, it's Sardinia's Carnival, Carnivale. Okay. And it okay. takes influence from the, you know, Feast of St. Anthony, I think it is, or whatever the saint specifically it's taking off of for Carnivale, but it is mm -hmm. rooted way earlier. And what happens is oh. there's two groups of people that are taking part in this and are dressed in traditional regalia. And one of them is the Mamotonis, which are these really kind of terrifying, you know, creatures that wear black sheepskin, um, you know, wool uh, pelts that are really large and are mounted on the shoulders 60 pounds worth of massive bells that are strapped across the chest like a bando a oh, bandolier okay and these masks as well as a like babushka black head covering and they dance okay. around in procession going through uh the town that this is taking place in which is in um mamodia or mamoyada i can never pronounce my actual the dialect of Sardinia is so complicated. So I'm going to say Memodia just for the sake of my own <laughs> ease. Uh, and then there's this other group that follow them called the Isadores, which are, they look like matadors with like white masks, almost kind of like um, oh. uh, mannequin masks. I forget what they call them, but you can buy them at like a Halloween store. It's very similar to that. And like, like a uh, uh, anonymous mask? Or? No, like, like, 
kind, I guess kind of, but like plain white, like an almost like a, oh, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. like the, like a Jabberwocky yeah. mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, yeah. the procession kind of goes as follows where they, you know, these, the Mamotonis are walking and actually doing a dance, a ritualistic dance. And the, and they're not inter- intervening with people that are watching this procession happen. Cause this goes all day. Mm-hmm that in different parts of the town and the Isadores, mm-hmm. what they do is they'll actually rope certain participants with lassos that they carry, but they'll also be, one of them will be leading the procession of the Mamatonas. And then the others are kind of in follow and responding in dance. And it's this very, I've never experienced that. I want to, at some point, it's this very, from what I'm told, somber, haunting kind of like, it's not a it's not a it's not a celebration. It's more of like you're watching this thing happen and it's kind of more silent and yeah, somber sombering. Mm. It's it's a it's a very opposite mm. reaction of what you would think it would be for a celebration, at least from what I've been reading and been told about it. It's one of these odd cases where a lot of my family who would report these traditions to me don't know much about it. But the thing uh-huh. is, this is a tradition that also happens throughout the island. The Mamotona, specifically, this mask and regalia that I'm sh- or the mask that I'm showing, is just from this specific region. But you have multiple different yeah. masks and pelts and costumes and regalia that translates similar into the same kind of deal. It's one group and another group interacting. Sometimes it's just one. Um, and so on, and they happen around the same time. I'm not quite sure. I think that the one that's in my region is with mm-hmm. a mask that almost looks like a bowl, where it's brown okay. and long, and then they have horns, and it's and they wear white pelts. But I'm not too sure about the myth. So mm-hmm. where this mm-hmm. comes from is, according to you know legends as well as then folklore, pretty old, and it's older than even like mm-hmm. Roman mythology, so to speak. So it's Oh, it's wow. rumored to be, well, I guess part of it's intertwined with Roman mythology and part of it could be possibly older. We're not quite sure. One, There's a few theories that surround it. One of them is that it's actually uh, the pre, a pre-Christian tradition that's stemming out of the cult of Dionysus, which uh, is supposed to be honoring the god's death and rebirth mm-hmm. for spring and that brings the vegetation to the land. So again, it's like an agricultural um um, you know, celebration or dance ritual. Yeah. The other is that it's even older than that, and it's the relationship and metaphor that this has to do with livestock and specifically sheep, because sheep are the main important resource on the island. They are the life of it, mm-hmm. literally. It, they're famous for it. It is a very, very, very important resource. It keeps the island alive. Um, and there's a good mm-hmm. relationship between, you know, animal agriculture and um the people there so there's that immediate right. kind of metaphor of okay it's the shepherd and the sheep and the, and the livestock mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then there's also a potential theory that i've been reading about that it could be seen as the the that the mammotonis are the sardanian people enduring underweight and that the Isidores represent the more of the colonial forces or invading forces over centuries of time that have constantly been shaping this. And it seems like a more new theory. Now, I'm very curious about that because Sardinia has a colonial history, but not like like pre-Columbian exchange, right? Like this is not the same type of colonialism that we're more talking about now. This is older and a mm-hmm. different connotation so it's more cultural Certainly, exchange yeah. and such so i don't want to get that confused and i 
yeah. I, I think it's an interesting take. I don't know mm-hmm. how valid it is, but it's fascinating because it has affected the people. And I think about it more about the loss of language that's more apparent right now, where this is a dialect mm-hmm. that's existed for a very long time, all of them, and have been shifting. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of it left. It's actually becoming um, less spoken as Italian is the main language because no one speaks the dialect outside of the islands and right, from the, and it's right. really really hard really i i don't mm-hmm. my mom doesn't speak it she only knows some of it and i never learned it i only i grew up with some of the words i didn't even know were sardish and it turns out they are and i thought they were italian mm-hmm. so but i um so that's an option yeah. but i think from what i'm hearing from what i've talked about with family members who live there and do this mm-hmm. It seems to be more of that agriculture connection and the connection to the land that is mm-hmm. more apparent because of that relationship that they the people have with animals and they have had with animals for so long. So mm. I'm really curious about this one though because one of the things that I was right. when I was researching this and I was like, yeah, I'm going to look up some spooky Italian myths. There has to be some. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. really isn't any huh. at all. That's uh, what no, nothing bad ever happened in Italy. I. I Guess not. I mean, it's weird because, like, the plague, right? Like, you would think, like, oh, there's myths about the plague, but then a lot of them become, like, Christian or Catholic, and, like, they involve saints, but there's, like, a moral at the end of the story. There's no, like, Grimm's fairy tales or, or yeah. Baba Yaga or anything like Eastern European or Northern European. It's weirder yeah. than that. And, like, I know, and I don't know if we've talked about this, but like a lot of the reasons that Italians are so attached to the saints and it's so embedded in the culture mm-hmm. more than other places too is because of its, you know, that this was, the saints were a replacement for earlier gods and deities that were from the mythologies around those or if not Roman mythology. And yeah, it was like that replacement. It, it, it's, a, it's a way to perpetuate, you know, millennia old. Yeah. Uh, uh, traditions and things yeah, that, that have uh, b- exactly. been kept and adapted in a way it does help you also understand um the way that uh so much of italy feels so secular uh on the one hand uh as you know just a modern country but also catholicism is so ever present in everything <laughs> yeah. that is done and the way you know you can even schedule things yes and it's it's interesting because i feel like any learned italian is also aware that those those catholic traditions are grafted on top of a pre-existing polytheistic uh religion like i mean people that are like living there like yeah like do, do they have like this feeling that it changed once before we should you know you know, we we can we understand that these things are not static. Like, is that is that their is that their their feeling about it, or they're just like, no, this is just the way it is. It's kind of the, well, Italians are always kind of like the second version of it's always the way it is. They don't really change their minds. I mean, it depends on the people, but like, um, right? They well, uh, we we know they're very set in their ways yes, about like yes. what constitutes dinner. Well, yeah, exactly. They <laughs> <laughs> my well, like this is a new thing. I feel like that's being. Mm. Dis- I mean, it, let me say this: I don't think it's new for scholars. I definitely don't think it's new for people that are learning about it now. This is like 
If you're mm-hmm. younger or if you're really into history, this is pretty clear. If you were a student or studying history and archaeology, yeah, this is very clear. Um, that's a, but, that's interesting. You, yeah, it's a, that they just it's not interrogated. It's not. Yeah, it's not like no, I mean, but mm. I, I don't think my family of Italy speaks for the entire different dialects and traditions that come out of it. But like, from what I can tell. That's not news really. to me. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not the ambassador to Italy, as I've uh, told you. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like... It, Interesting. It was one of these things, though, where I remember having this conversation with my mom about it, um, that I was explaining, well, this is actually where it comes from, and now she's like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, right. Like, but also the fact that there was accepted, like, for lack of a better term, witchcraft. I don't know how else to phrase mm. it, like tarot readings pseudo psychic spirituality stuff involved in tandem with the church mm-hmm. and that's like fine right like there's a lot of this stuff that's also accepted with conditions but it's a part of an ancient older maybe folklore and history right. but like they accept that as tradition and as history but then we have saints. Like, for example, even in the Mammotonis mm-hmm. myths, like, it's very clear this is not Catholic, but there's mm-hmm. saints involved, and it's fine, and we just <laughs> kind of go with it. Like, I don't know how right. much thought it, they give it. it. It's, it's, a Beow, it's a Beowulf type of yes, thing. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's very, that's very, very interesting, and because Catholicism, the, there, there's plenty of history and reasons that, at least in Europe, it's at odds with, you know, Protestantism. Yeah. Um, but at least in the States, they are juxtaposed in, in part because Catholicism is mystical yeah. in many ways, in a way that Protestantism seeks to strip away all of this... Um, all of this extraneous stuff and no it's only about you and your personal relationship to god and you all all you needs the bible and uh and maybe dance with some snakes or i don't know i don't know, I don't know man i i i never i didn't know there was that big of a difference until somebody pointed it out to me and i was like <laughs> oh <laughs> you guys don't have saints I've, you don't do that you don't have the dead people in but, your rooms. But, yeah and and obviously not a this this yeah. does not make the catholics oppressed uh, no yeah as as much as they would love to be um yeah, it's oh n- and, and i and i should also say as someone from the south there is a history of that as well mm-hmm. you know it's um catholicism is also i and i this is just my own personal observation catholicism has historically been the religion of uh uh, disenfranchised immigrants into the United States, right? Uh, yeah, f- uh, from the the Irish to the Italians, the Vietnamese, and uh, and and now Latin Americans. Yeah, um, yeah. It it's it's not with it. It certainly falls into the issues that any organized religion has. Uh, but we 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 don't need to be here in defense of Catholicism. Uh, <laughs> necessarily right right i i don't i don't think that's our brand you know no. zan and joe champions of catholicism <laughs> oh yes you know me yeah oh jesus no 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 D- it's... did you did you have did you have a good uh 
a good proper New Jersey Columbus Day? Oh, you mean Indigenous Peoples Day? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I always yeah, well, I will well, refer to well, it at like, this point. But, well, uh, yeah, no. no, I mean, that's what we refer to it as up here in Massachusetts. But, right. You know. No, well, I'm sure all of New Jersey will disagree with what I just said. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so... I didn't get confronted with that argument this year, thankfully. Maybe it's because hmm. the people of I didn't hear anything about the Philadelphians freaking out like that Sopranos episode, which is weirdly right. like it came out so long ago, but like that was so relevant last year. I never even realized it mm. until I've been watching it. It's just so bizarre. Like I- I'll say this because we can move on because we don't need to give Columbus yeah. any more attention than necessary. But like, there's so many yeah. cooler Italians out there. We don't need that to be yeah. the role model. He's not that important, and like. The fact that people still hold on to that just means that they don't want to learn. Why not Marconi Day? Marconi Day. Radios are cool. Leonardo da Vinci's pretty sweet. Uh, Michelangelo, pretty cool. Uh, All the Italian Mm -hmm. artists, Mm -hmm. much more interesting to learn about than. I mean, do you do you think like a bunch of like macho Italian uh, New New Jersey types would like be like Leonardo Michelangelo? little fruity don't you think i'm gonna be really honest with you i don't think they would see it until you said something oh i don't think they'll notice they're like oh oh yeah look at all all this this is this very straight art made yeah like back when men were men just and men and men men were men and art was paintings of naked men wrestling (laughs) other naked men i i genuinely think there would be that obsession with it and i feel like i've had that conversation before and you're like i guess i just like won't mention this let's just (laughs) let's just not talk about that i oh my god yeah it's it's not i i am i am fascinated though by this idea that um the the mysticism and the moralization of everything yeah uh th- through colonization and through christianity has sort of like a- at least from what you're saying it sounds like kind of inhibited the idea or perhaps just completely erased uh the the folklore yeah. or the the idea of a local scary story or a local mm-hmm. um scary mythological creature there's no uh, Sardinian yeah. Nessie. No, not at all, which is kind of weird. But, like, I mean, I'm... Okay, I'm just going to propose mm-hmm. my theory on it, um, mm-hmm. which is more speculative, because I don't have any proof. Okay. So bear with me. Okay, go for it. I think it has to do with geographical location, and mm. one, the lack of predators to go after them, and, okay. you know, areas that would be considered very very dangerous but then also that in combination with later like catholic saints that are more about you know saving and health and whatnot but also then like agriculture myths Mm -hmm. and wanting the land to be prosperous and and more of that like because obviously in all cultures there's dangers of like getting lost drowning falling off cliffs you know just general stuff you got to be aware of i feel yeah. like there's common do not like there's always going to be a common thread of that right but, in, but, um, but i mean even when you look at when you look at the british isles there's the kelpie and yeah yeah like you know the, the the horse that's like sticky or whatever and it tricks children into riding on it yeah. and it drowns them yeah <laughs> like you can pretty clearly see that as an origin story or some sort of 
some sort of tail that's basically used to keep children safe around water. Like, don't right. don't wander by the water alone, or the kelpie will get you. Yeah, I, um, I don't. It's like it's weird. Like, I just don't you, know. You would any. you would think you would think that would be on the island. Like, aren't there like? That's the thing. I just haven't like. Aren't aren't there like islands? Maybe this is like I, I'm completely confusing this. Isn't there like some some legend in like Southeast Asia about like shark people that like just be- take human form and wander around on the land? Maybe. Sounds right. I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah, but like, why why isn't there like a Sardinian one? But, but it's even like the an sea- octopus woman. Mm, I mean, yeah, that would be kind of cool. I, mm-hmm. I yeah, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. Even if hey, if you know tweet at mm-hmm. us because i don't know and apparently yeah. my entire family doesn't know but um which is a lot of, <laughs> i'm gonna be honest it's a lot of people there but it's like it's it's weird like mm-hmm. no one was told that no you're kind of just being it's a very more upfront hey you're gonna drown so don't go in the water uh but like mm. also the sea is it's dangerous i did have to get that corrected for me because i remember making comments of like oh sardine is so great like the sea is so calm and like there's no lifeguard so it's great you can just kind of be in nature and go out to the ocean and my mom was like Mm -hmm. yes but i wish there was because people drown and friends of mine and our cousins have Mm -hmm. drowned because of that and you're like oh that's Mm -hmm. a lot darker than i thought it was gonna get but yeah i just like it's really interesting that there isn't really one and maybe there was and it just doesn't exist Mm -hmm. anymore because of the 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 myth isn't told or the story isn't passed down it just gets changed and shaped into other things because arguably they had their own mythology you know the neurotic people and then it transferred to the romans and then the romans had theirs and then it transferred to catholicism and the you know that created its own with the saints so it's i guess i guess with catholicism and I don't know if this is, again, the the influence of, like, growing up around, like, evangelical Protestantism and Baptists and stuff. But, like, Christianity has the devil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I feel like Satan kind of just, it, it's, it's, it's the baddie at the top. He's the, he's, he's the, uh, the, the evil creature mafioso. So I guess you don't care about other things if you can kind of just blame bad events on satan am am i am i am i out of place suggesting that i don't think so but like i'll give you an example from me like i didn't really have that i never i mean Mm. my mom holds on culturally to catholicism not like as a practicing religion but it's mm-hmm. just a part of the culture there that's just how it is right um but they have and, like the evil eye well that stuff, yeah that's right? exactly what i was gonna say you're more scared of that mm-hmm. you're more scared of being mm. cursed by people not by like ah, actually the, yes. the devil's like he's there so the, mo- but... the, mon- the monsters the monsters were human all along kind of yeah honestly cursing yeah, the call, cursing calls is calls coming from inside the house pretty much yeah no no i think the <laughs> i've heard more of the the protestants uh not to point fingers do the that blaming the devil but at the same time it's i don't know like i'm not going to use my own experience as like the end-all be-all because obviously i I hope i don't come off this way but like uh you know going to catholic school for the five years that i did there's definitely way more blame on the devil there than i grew up with in an italian household Mm -hmm. and culture Okay, like, because that's not really okay. like talked about. I mean, like, well, I think Joe, I think they're just trying to scare you from having sex. I mean, yeah, <laughs> pretty that, <laughs> and to blame something that's not yourself, but also to be 
blaming yourself because sin exists and then you have to have a moral mm-hmm. uh, yeah christian traumas man what a mess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah well yeah, yeah i mean but it's it, it it is it is interesting like because i feel like there's a gap there and i wonder if maybe mm. uh academic literature will catch up to that one day because i'm i'm sure something has to exist it's gonna i'm for that i'm genuinely yeah. gonna be digging for this for a while so maybe we'll be mm-hmm. able to revisit it at some point um yeah and continue yeah and kind of in response i wanted to talk about some uh, jewish superstitions and you know yes. kind of more specifically like a a, 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 a european jewish uh uh, mystical stuff that would have, um, you know, kind of filled filled a similar like paranoia and uh, and 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 just cultural fears as well. Mm. So, you know, I think the most obvious that you know we think of besides just you know straight up monsters that have uh, kind of existed within it, um, like you know the Ziz or the Leviathan and stuff right, like stuff right. that is in the Bible, but probably also is related to other um you know middle eastern mythology and stuff uh-huh. um like ancient stuff but stuff that's come up in the uh kind of last couple uh thousand years you know with uh rabbinic judaism and everything is also kind of interesting just in that you you have to think about these things in terms of uh these are manifestations and monsters and responses to the traumas of diaspora and you know just not being wanted everywhere you go Mm. yeah so the the first that i think comes to mind and probably most people are familiar with is uh the golem Mm. uh yeah or golem uh which way do they pronounce it in pokemon in in Pokemon, yeah, isn't it the the, the evolved form of Geodude is Gollum? Is it? I don't. Yeah, it, it's it, it's like a rock ball with like lizard arms and legs sticking out of it. I don't. Hold on, now I need to know. I don't think it yeah, is. Yeah, look look it up. I, I'm I'm almost certain it's the evolved form of Geodude. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, Gollum, and then there's Graveler. I think Geodude evolves to Graveler, and I'm assuming. Okay. I guess there is yeah. Golem, yeah. I don't know how they pronounce it, though. I know, mm-hmm. I, I was told it's a Golem, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yeah. Golem is, uh, I, I, the earliest mention that I saw in my research was of uh, the 6th century, is mm-hmm. uh, when it is first kind of uh, pops up. Uh, and there are a couple of different reasons that a uh, learned person, because you had to be a scholar or a rabbi, someone uh, w- with a lot of knowledge, uh, to, to make one. Not just anyone could make one. That's interesting. You could be doing it uh, to just sort of demonstrate your knowledge of Kabbalah um, or the Kabbalah, uh, you know, showing your sort of master of the Jewish mystical arts. Mm, okay. Um, you could be making it as a servant uh, to just sort of do manual labor for you. Or, uh, and this was a big one as time went on, you could make it for protection. Now, mm. what is a golem? A golem is a humanoid sculpted from clay that uh, is brought to life 
by uh, this learned person, but they can't do it alone, uh, at least not uh, in in tradition. Mm. You needed three uh, rabbis, uh, one to represent air, one to represent fire, and one to represent water. Oh, okay. And insert avatar joke yeah here, I guess. <laughs> gonna, um, long ago the four <laughs> long, nations lo- long ago the four rabbis lived in <laughs> harmony <laughs> then everything changed when they had a minor disagreement <laughs> about scripture <laughs> hi there my name is colby white and i'm one of the hosts from force football facts a podcast where my friend zachary and i force our other friend tyrell to give us insights into the game even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. So anyways, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but those were, are also meant to represent the things that are needed to make the golem. You need mm. uh, the uh, the other thing, of course, is the earth itself, which um, would be the clay that was dug to sculpt it out of. So then you right, have fire right. to fire it, uh, the water that is uh, released in it, and then the uh, the air, the steam that comes off of it as it is. Uh, brought to life the other thing that it needs is it needs um the uh the name of god the uh the true name of god written uh down and placed inside of its mouth hmm Interesting. Yes. okay mm-hmm. so uh once you have all of these things you've got your three buddies um you've got a bunch of clay right uh and you have uh the 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 forbidden unpronounceable uh name of god uh written down uh you can now bring your golem to life uh this has a lot of one one of the things that's interesting about this and and that kind of makes this at least to me strikes me as not only very uh mystical era judaism medieval jewish uh stuff is that this is also uh very rabbinic in that uh you know it has the this supplemental sources and instructions in of the talmud but it is doing a thing that mystical judaism does where you do where an action is supposed to echo something that happens in the Torah. Mm. This is very much a... This is like humans uh, going through the motions of the creation of Adam, where Adam is supposed to be sculpted by God from clay. Right, right. Uh, from, or fr- from the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, right, right. The thing, the thing about this that you know, does not make them like God is that, uh, they, the, the golem cannot speak that, that is supposed to be the thing. It it does, it does not speak and it does not have really its own, uh, free will. Those are supposed to be things that are attributed specifically to, uh, something that only God could give. But 
to me, it's interesting, and it has even more parallels to Jewish mysticism, like, um, you know, sort of the, the stories of uh, Enoch or uh, Metatron, that um, you have, and, and this goes all the way back, really, to the Genesis story, like, the, the, the parts of the Genesis story that I think are so interesting, where humans become like God through their own ingenuity. Oh, um, that right. we set that we uh, take control over nature and the things around us, and you know we are cursed with our own knowledge and everything and the things that it could bring about. Mm. But it is it shows that we are created, and then we ourselves have now taken control of creation. You know, this is. This is a very, very ancient idea. This is Prometheus. Right, right. You know, this is the, the whole idea of, of humans attaining knowledge and wielding it uh, for their own uses, which is kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Talmud speaks a bit about this. It says, you know, only God can give the power of uh, speaking. Right, right. Um, there, there's also supposed to be this idea that the golem gains power the longer it stays animated. Mm. Now, the other sort of thing is, uh, and this is where history gets a little jumbled up. The golem's attributed to a rabbi that actually did exist named Rabbi Lowe um, from the 16th century. Hmm. But kind of like the Zohar, uh, where there are real rabbis attached to it, like real historical figures attached to it. Right. Um, but there's the historical account, and then there's the things that they supposedly did. Okay. And Rabbi Lowe, it seems, in the 16th century, did not care for magic and mysticism, actually looked down on it, even though he is um, the... Sort the sort of legendary uh, rabbi that uh, uses uh, the golem. Interesting, huh? Yeah. That's so. Th- right. This this would be kind of like if we wrote fan fiction <laughs> about like a real figure. Th- you know what? This is basically Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. I mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we're way. like, we're like, you know, Abraham Lincoln was great and everything, but wouldn't it have also been cool if he was a, <laughs> if he was a vampire if, hunter and vampires existed? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's one thing we that's one thing we don't talk about with Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter, and I guess Twilight. Like, you know, the 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 Confederacy was bad enough, but right. like, what if they were also <laughs> vampires? I'm gonna do you one better. <laughs> what if they were also zombies? Oh my god. Which then was in Abraham Lincoln Zombie Slayer, I think it was called, mm. and it was the B version of said movie. Is it is Oh no, it was there, the original actually. It's a whole thing. Is that is No, that's Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I've also I've I've read part of that book and it is actually the weirdest thing I've ever read. It's so mm. strange. I don't understand. Isn't is there 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 must exist some sort of some sort of media out there of Confederate zombies. Oh, absolutely. There has to be. I, yeah. I refuse to accept that there isn't. I mean, 
I don't know what that would. Well, I guess yeah, because of Abraham Lincoln's Zombie Slayer or whatever it's. But called. I mean, it it, to, it, to, it is one of those things where it makes it very morally uncomplicated to kill the enemy. You know. Mm, yeah, like, that's true. Like, isn't there isn't there a video game or or a movie where you're fighting zombies that are also Nazis? Oh yeah, Call of Duty and their weird fascination with Nazis. Yeah, Nazi zombies. Yeah, I think it is Nazi zombies. Yeah, well, it's like we we don't want to think about you know killing other people, so we just need to make them the worst thing we can imagine, which is a Nazi and also a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> I'll say that in terms of even doing it. But it, it's also kind of ironic because this is a game about killing mm-hmm. people. So mm-hmm, I guess they just mm-hmm. took it the step further and made them half dead. Again, it's a whole morally uncomplicated. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, the, the interesting thing is there uh, these texts uh-huh. that uh, are basically forged. One from 1909 uh, that supposedly tells right. the story of the uh golem of prague where a rabbi uh to protect the local jewish population from you know uh the uh accusations of blood libel which we talked about last week yes um yes. this had this had happened uh, a few times uh in the uh 19th century uh and and before you know it, it had been happening for centuries but a lot of waves of anti-Semitism in the 19th century sort of put this pressure on the community to have a Jewish savior, a Jewish superhero. Um, Hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting that it doesn't fall into a Messiah type of thing. Yeah, it's more like guardian. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of it. It is, um, this, this creature that can be, uh, that slowly becomes more powerful and in some respects more human the longer it exists. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, it's interesting because like the way that I have heard about the golem was through, uh, video games. As well as then, mm-hmm. like any fantasy, um, you know, books mm-hmm. or movies or, or TV shows that like adopted that, because mm-hmm. they're usually like in combination with like elementals or things that are guarding something mm-hmm. sacred or something important, right? Yeah. And it's clearly different, but in the sense, very similar idea of something that doesn't talk, it can't speak, mm-hmm. it's got its own kind of. Yeah. It, it, its job is to protect whatever it's protecting and it'll right, fight whatever right. it needs to fight and it's mm-hmm. usually like stone or something else or wood depending on the yeah. elements and so on and I find that always really fascinating but given what you're saying and how this is all starting to connect it's really interesting that you know it, it doesn't become that messiah figure or someone to worship it becomes the guardian the servant the the humbled right. supporter that's going to help defend the culture and the people not someone that you should follow necessarily Mm -hmm. yeah i think though the the thing here is we have to think we have to consider this in the context of all other history of literature that's happening in this time period Mm. so if you're going back centuries and centuries the golem is a very you know kind of uncomplicated unthinking creature like you're saying it it just protects at all costs 
when you're getting into the 19th and 20th and early 20th century, when this concept is coming back around, this desire, this desperation to have a protector, mm-hmm. um, I feel like at least you can see the influences of other Western literature and secular literature on this idea because to me, the later stories begin to read more like Frankenstein. Interesting. Okay. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, at, le- at least the, the interpretations. I haven't actually had the privilege of... I- I'm working on it, getting my hands on a copy of, uh, mm. you know, The Golem of Prague and the uh, subsequent uh, 1917... Uh, like expanded universe that also includes <laughs> Rabbi Lowe. Oh, again, man. and again, the, these were all based on texts that were fabricated in 1909. Right, um, right. Oh my gosh, incredible. The... But but they they are looked at in a more historical, mythological sense. Right, that, right. That this that this is what he did. You know, I mean, Prague has interesting enough history. I like That's how. True its history is punctuated by throwing people out of windows um, on multiple occasions. Uh, it, it, maybe one day we'll have to it's, talk about the defenestrations of Prague. God, I forgot about that word. I was almost going to say regicide. I was like, that's not the right one. Defenestration. Oh, mm-hmm. Such a strange yeah. way to describe assassination through throwing out a window. But uh, we oh, should. Yeah, we should it, cover that. It, it's it's specific. You got to give it credit for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. Yeah. But, you know, all... To me, that's sort of what it sounds like, you know, like it starts off as this hero doing all these good deeds, but then it starts to frighten people. It starts to get out of hand. Um, Right, right. And in the 1917 story, uh, the Gollum is, you know, it it goes through the it goes through all the motions of basically uh, the, the the creation that's made as a protector that. Uh, it starts to scare people, goes through that whole narrative. Mm. But then the sort of legendary part of it is that it is locked away in an attic somewhere in a uh, in Prague, and it is waiting for the day that it is called upon. Oh, that's fascinating, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. Weird that it goes through all these different... Well, not really weird, but it's interesting that it goes through all these different renditions and it kind of comes back to the legendary you know, yeah, story of it. it yeah and i mean you can i mean 1917 from a historical standpoint especially if we're talking about something that you know has been around since the sixth century that's much yeah. closer there are there are like there's science fiction being written at that point oh yeah uh you and and had been for a bit like this is almost contemporary this is almost modern literature i mean i mean technically by the time period it is modern literature right um, yeah so it 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 could be interesting i mean also i guess that's another movie waiting to be made where like i guess some what some nazis bust into an attic and start just getting pummeled by a clay man <laughs> um i mean yeah i guess so it, it would be it, Maybe that's maybe that will be an Inglorious Bastards too. <laughs> oh yeah, you think Tarantino's working on that? That's the angle they're taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need we need more revenge wish fulfillment fantasies. You know, <laughs> it's like it's right. uh, the, the Gollum teams up with Django, teams mm. up with um, 
some someone I, I don't know what the next revenge uh story will be but you know like uh i don't know crazy horse uh, oh there you go and and they just start mowing people down yeah it's gonna be awesome i'd see it dude. i'd see it yeah um so but the the golem i i think there are scary aspects to it it is supposed to reflect um you know tr- tr- the the struggle for power mm-hmm. but i wanted to talk about something that was also a little uh, i i think a little scarier and something that's actually been kind of topical recently oh okay um and that has been the dibbuk mm. are you have you heard of this before i have not mhm I have to admit the dibbuk is something that i was not super familiar with and I only really found out about because of uh, an old film, a, an old kind of like early 20th century black and white silent film about one. Oh, um, okay. And uh, the the Dybbuk is, historically at least, is this a, an evil spirit of someone that has passed away that will possess a living person um until their wicked deeds are done basically uh oh yeah often this is attributed to uh people especially young women about to be married the dibbuk slips into you Mm. and you know makes you do wicked things uh until it's uh, accomplished what it wants to do uh and you know it's a legitimately I, i think kind of uh scary idea you know maybe this is meant to explain rash behavior uh, in a historical sense. Right, right. One of the the things to realize about, like, a lot of um, the people that we think of as the the Jewish intellectuals pre... I I think even, like, pre-World War I, but definitely pre-World War II, um, is they had a lot of disdain for superstition um interesting and that's yeah that uh you see this with uh, even as far back as like in in the middle ages like uh a, a lot of the intellectuals were kind of rationalists and they did not like the people that had their superstitions and stuff and it's Hmm. almost this thing that i wonder about with the case of the sardinian stuff as well if superstitions were looked down upon enough that this stuff kind of got brushed away because the dybbuk i don't the the i the concept of the dybbuk i barely have ever heard about and certainly not from uh my parents it's not something that would have um been a paranoia for them uh or or have been made aware to my to either of them so to to me it it feels like this very old world thing but even if you read shalom alechem's stuff like you you realize like because at first you think oh he's having fun it's all whimsical these fiddler on the roof people and then you're like oh no he's like making fun of them Mm. like these these uh these agrarian, superstitious uh, people stuck in their ways. Like, 
it's uh it's a very different take than kind of like our quaint view of like agrarian european life right before, right before the world wars you know hmm. um so the dybbuk uh came up kind of uh in the last 20 years uh when an antique salesman named kevin manis sold a uh or posted on ebay a wine cabinet that he claimed to have purchased from a uh the granddaughter of a uh holocaust survivor that had passed away uh named havala uh that uh who claimed to have you know uh escaped from poland uh basically uh all of her uh all of her family uh was killed mm. uh she goes to spain uh, and basically uh waits waits things out uh until uh, uh she can immigrate to the united states gotcha gotcha okay now th- this gets posted uh in 2003 originally uh now Kevin Manis found this little wine cabinet and he was sort of immediately like uh struck by it. Um it had a uh prayer carved into the back of it. Um it's appeared to be pretty old. Uh there were two wheat pennies inside of it, one from 1925 and one from 1928. It had locks of hair, it had dried rosebud, uh a candlestick, a golden wine cup uh and uh a uh like granite uh a piece of granite in the back of it with the word shalom inscribed in it mm. uh so this seemed to be some kind of you know sacred probably like a you know uh Shabbos ritual uh wine cabinet right right and so uh he gives this to his mother uh and she sits down with it and opens it up and says and claims to have felt in just immediately an evil presence. Hmm. Okay. She opens it up and feels like a wind is coming out of it. Like it seems to have opened on its own. What? And suddenly she feels her face start to sag, her eyes start to droop. And suddenly she's having a stroke. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's... And yes. And uh, sh- there's an interview with her uh, reiterating the experience. Um, and it's it's quite haunting. You know, eventually Kevin Manis puts this up for sale on eBay, sort of with the story in 2003. Um, and uh, his, his mother, uh, Ida... Uh, lives a while longer, but uh, she does talk about uh, the she does talk about the box, and you know she talks about you know just the the feeling of when it opens, and her thought was, "Is this death?" Oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Um. This at, kind of was in uh, a bit of the, the the cultural zeitgeist for a little bit. Um. 
a few different notable people purchased it, kind of fascinated by the lore around it. Um, Sam Raimi even made a movie in 2012 about it called The Possession. Is that, uh, that what was about? Uh, oh. Yeah, it was loosely based on these stories because, um, you know, not only did Manus's mother, you know, suffer this stroke because of it, all sorts of things started to fall apart in his life. Um, he had, you know, it was it was car accidents and family members committing suicide and all sorts of misery seemed to be following uh, the family uh, from this object. Uh, and notably, Post Malone purchased mm. and ended up purchasing. Uh, yeah, this eventually ends up with Post Malone, <laughs> who uh just kind of keeps it in his weird uh collection room to kind of freak people out uh <laughs> of course of course he does yeah uh there's an interview uh that you can look up of him talking about it with Seth Meyers there's also uh some footage of him freaking out his some guests uh with it, including uh, Zach Baggins from uh, the, that Ghost Adventures show. Oh my god! Uh, oh, that guy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. The now the interesting thing here is that while researching this, I stumbled across an article because uh, the last I had heard of it was the Post Malone thing, and right. I think that's what most people are familiar with this from, is that Post Malone has a Dybbuk in a box. You know, like, <laughs> just in his house. Like it's, Post- yeah, yeah, just like just in his house, like it's like he's got a Bogart, you know? Oh my god, um, yeah. Post Malone's got a ghost at yeah, home. Yeah, and you know, it's like, oh my god, the allure, this box, you right. know, that was like s- smuggled out of Europe, you know, by a Holocaust survivor. Um, and, uh, so there's an article uh, from Input by Charles Moss where uh, I have to give him credit. He did some pretty extensive research to get to the bottom of what exactly is going on here. Um, because this is not what we, what, what any uh, uh, literature has ever said dibbicks do dibbick the dibbick is not supposed to cling to a physical object it's supposed to inhabit a human right so if it's not a dibbick what is it i guess yeah that's the terrifying thing so here's where things get kind of interesting. Charles Moss does a bunch of research on this, talks to a lot of different people, interviews uh, a lot of different people involved in this, hmm. and eventually gets in contact with Kevin Manis. You know, this this all starts, this all goes all the way back to 2001 to where, uh, you know, he claims to have purchased it uh, from the uh, survivor's family. Hmm. But... What uh what he sort of finds, uh Moss does at least, uh is that uh there seems to be quite a few people pointing out that the wine cabinet uh is a hoax, that um it uh that that this story is entirely fabricated. Um 
And a lot of what is cited is the fact that uh, a Dybbuk is not that this that this story does not exist anywhere else. Right. Um, and what so so he's talking to Kevin Manis, he's getting conflicting information from him, but eventually uh, gets to talking to him. He tells a couple different versions of the story. Um, but eventually Manus comes out and says, actually, no, I, I made up the whole thing about it coming from a Holocaust survivor. I made up this story, uh, to, and embellished a lot of this story. You know, he bought it from like a retired attorney. Oh. And just wanted to kind of spice up this story to sell it on eBay. Um. The weird thing, though, the mother's stroke was completely real. What? Um, the family tragedies and everything were real. And Post Malone has also said and claimed that uh, weird things have happened to him when the box is opened. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I feel like we have to talk about this pre Malone rather than post Malone. <laughs> Um, there it is that's the that's the post malone joke we needed for this <laughs> oh my god excellent yeah. so the weird thing is and now a couple of different people uh so the the person uh who had it after manis you know also uh had weird stories uh about it but again sells it uh on ebay uh and the the stories of the the weird things happening to people around it keep compounding and something worth noting is Manus is Jewish and has a as far as uh, Moss was able to find out does have an interest in uh Jewish mysticism and uh Kabbalah so uh, what has kind of been the the new narrative of this is that he has cursed it. Oh, that he has uh brought like brought upon it some kabbalistic bad juju, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> oh no, I just got that too. Uh, and uh. And that this has somehow blown up into something bigger than he is. And in and if we want to think about this again in a maybe a. Uh, I'm in in a way where we can kind of account for ma the magical realism here. It's almost as if he's created a tulpa. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it sounds like a tulpa, to be honest, the yeah. way that this is mm -hmm. story is going and what's created um mm -hmm. yeah there, there's there's this guy uh named haxton mm -hmm. that you know he says at one point did the con man get conned by god Ooh. um That's yeah he it. says that's seriously my take on it someone screwed around thinking it was funny and that they were in control it's like playing with fire it was funny until it wasn't yeah and I'm... yeah there, there's there's this idea that that kevin uh tapped into something 
Yeah, I mean, it's possible. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, whether it's a Dybbuk or not, it sounds like it's not. Just even in the in the the continuity mm-hmm. of the stories and how it doesn't really match up. But like, it doesn't mean it's not something, right? And like, yeah, well, because he he was he admits that when he posted it, he was legitimately going through some difficult things in his life, and he kind of wanted to embellish the story of where the box came from to try and the the way that he describes it it's almost like it was a um a a short story project like oh, he wow. wanted this participatory thing and then it's kind of like this whole monkey's paw type curse where yeah. the 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 misfortune has become real around yeah. uh, around him and around other people that have uh purchased it's it. like you've manifested this negative mm-hmm. thing into an object mm-hmm. which is terrifying yeah but like mm-hmm. you know for all those out there for manifesting things this is the danger of that by the way but it is like mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's it's totally i mean i could see that happening right especially if like if objects have energy imbued into them right if you follow this way mm-hmm. of thinking it doesn't always mean mm-hmm. it's good and it doesn't mm-hmm. you know there's it's very possible that there could have been maybe not even to the point of like because it doesn't have to be like a spirit, let's say, and it's this haunt, this, yeah. this conscious being. It could just be legitimate mm-hmm. negative energy that you are filling into this, yeah. this, this container, the Pandora's box, if you will. I mean, if I can get a little, if I can put on my magical thinking hat, okay. Could we look at this newer concept we have now, a contemporary concept of vibrant matter? Um, and could we just say this is our this is our new name for this phenomenon where, you know, you said it doesn't have to be a spirit. Right. But maybe this is just our. In in Mm. our contemporary understanding of reality right could this be what people referred to as spirits in the past oh this is if if i'm maybe getting a little abstract with this no it's interesting in in the same way that like bigfoot and aliens don't have to be physically real Mm mm-hmm but they are real in the sense that when we encounter something very strange and we encounter something that um that takes us out of our comfort and our understandings and our orientations our minds almost need to assign a name and assign attributes to something unknown yeah, it's like that easing. It the eases the mind yeah. and it allows us to mm-hmm. be calm for a moment without mm-hmm. being terrified of the unknown. I like this theory. This is interesting as a potential mm-hmm. for a lot of these things because I feel like there's there's definitely truth in that that this can this is mm-hmm. just our realization of an, of what this is maybe now in our own contemporary language and lens on it, but in the past, it could be absolutely very similar, right, to all of these things that we're talking about, too. I feel like this can build off of that. Right. Um, that it is just these different ways of looking at these phenomenons and something that we just can't explain, where it's past mm-hmm. coincidence or it's passed into something else, and it's like, 
you need the right words or the right way to explain it or to prove it or to label it. Um, Yeah. And this is just the way that we look at it now. But it doesn't mean that this Mm -hmm. is like we are more, you know, developed on that terminology. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think in sort of what we were talking about last time in the way that the vampire myth evolved, you know, we're still going to see our interpretations of things that we're afraid of mm-hmm. evolve. Oh, yeah. And I think this was kind of an interesting exhibit for us because we went in with one idea of what we were looking for and we came out with very different things. Yeah, I agree. It was it, it was a really <laughs> transformative uh, one, you know, uh, research mm-hmm. included, because there was a lot of things that I definitely didn't expect on my um, research for this, for sure. Yeah. Like the fact that there's just no spooky stories that I can find. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe if I go and find the ancient texts and I'll find something that gives me a, 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 a you know, a little bit of knowledge on these things, because now I'm just convinced I need to know. Uh, but it's the same even mm-hmm. with, with yours. I didn't know anything about these in that sense of the depth, a little bit about the golem, definitely nothing mm-hmm. about the Dybbuk, but it's really fascinating to see these connections in the ra- the literal rabbit hole that it led you on or led you down. Yeah, I guess. And, and, I, and I would recommend this, uh, this input article by Charles Moss if, uh, if uh, people are interested in, because it goes more in depth into the whole history of this, but it is an interesting follow-up to anyone that had serious questions after that Seth Meyers interview. Yeah. No, I, I might have, I'm going to have to read it now. It's definitely very spooky. Like definitely getting chills yes. even thinking about it. And it is, yeah, it is very. Yeah. yeah he I even s- said like his girlfriend left him because of it. It's like, oh my God. it's, it's a, uh, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird story for sure. There's a lot more to it than just uh, a guy pulled the fast one on some eBay buyers. Yeah, this is like this. This seems very detailed. There's a lot going on here, and I'm really curious to see how it's going to develop too as time goes on. Yeah, I think Post Malone should mm-hmm. sell it or bury it, like uh, you know, as you do. Unless he <laughs> has he sold it yet, or no, he still has it. I think he still has it. Um, Why would you even keep it? Oh yeah, I, I don't I don't know what he plans on doing with it. I don't even know what the protocol is, because if it's... I don't know what you're supposed to do to get rid of a Dybbuk. I, I think, like, you have to do essentially an exorcism, um, which was interesting to read, because it's like... So does a rabbi do that? <laughs> right. Like, is it a combination force? Do you have to get both? Yeah, there's no there's no holy water. Um, so I don't I don't How like does that work. Does I guess you just do do you feed them bagels? Uh <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I um I I'm not sure because if if it is not a dibic, then I then I'm even less sure what the uh, what the protocol should yeah, be what do for you it. Do? It now has a very nice outer box that goes around it. Um, I don't know how much that's that... going to do anything, but uh... well, that's boxes and boxes. Maybe uh... at, at at what point does the box around the cursed object also become cursed? That's the question. True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when. It's like what parts of the cars from Cars are alive? 
you know, if they can yeah. have parts of their body changed and modified, like it, it's, <laughs> it, it like, we'll we'll talk we'll talk more We're about cars to. at a later date. I'm sure. Um, but like, what parts of Herbie are alive? Yeah, I think they're just cyborgs, to be honest with you. But like, mobile. That's my theory. Well, but like the. Oh, so you think that there there's an there's some sort of organic component. Yes. Yeah, there's like an organism inside, inside of it that's alive and then it's attached to the machinery. Like Thomas the Tank Engine. Or like Robocop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine's the better example. <laughs> I think Thomas the Tank Engine well, it's weird because it's only the face. I've also heard that they're like have you ever seen the drawing that's like absolutely Yes, cursed? where it has like the anatomy inside of yeah, it? Yeah, actually terrifying. <laughs> oh uh, god. That's a good place to maybe wrap that yeah. story out. Well, a- end of, end of end of the tracks there. Oh nice. Oh, oh Thomas. <laughs> oh my god, I love Thomas the Tank Engine so much. Mm-hmm. Um Ringo's best work. Absolutely. Uh, yeah george carlin genius oh yeah no i i had i had the train set and everything i was obsessed with those yeah same same i had the i had tons of that um so yeah the uh thank you so much for coming to the uh uncanny county museum today uh this was a lot of fun to talk about and we are excited to see you next time for our halloween yes exhibit yeah that'll be fun as well hope everyone yeah, hope everyone is staying safe out there. Everyone's uh, doing well. If you have uh, any uh, additional knowledge on these myths, we would love to hear about them. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. Go ahead and follow us maybe while you're there. We're at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. Uh, we can keep you updated with stuff on there. Uh, what is going on in Joe world? Uh, not too much at the moment, working on some, uh, projects, you know, submitting things to some galleries and, and, um, other openings. I have some stuff in the works. I can't really Mm -hmm. say much about it, but I'm hoping to be, uh, you know, updating everybody on those soon. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess at this point, the, uh, Critter Show at the Mize Gallery has wrapped up. Uh, thank you to whoever purchased my painting. I'm sorry I didn't get to, uh, speak to you, or maybe you were just standing behind me in the gallery and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I just didn't notice. But yes, thank you, uh, uh to, uh, the gallery and to, uh, yeah, whoever you are out there that has one of my paintings. Um, I still have work up at, uh, St. Pete Community College. Uh, I'm still part of the, uh, Then and Now show. That'll be going until December. Mm. I have some other stuff in the works. Nothing to, uh, announce, uh, at the moment. But, you know, always working on, uh, art and working on new stuff. Nice, nice. If you want to find me after hours, I'm at Xanosaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Semino. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.